step with somebody. I can give someone a high five. I can talk to someone. So having the value of people is an easy concept to understand. And then there was a value of truth. And, and we said that, that although our culture says that truth is something that is um, intangible, truth is something that is dependent on the person, we talked about last week how truth really comes from God's word, that, that we establish that truth is, is, there's a standard of truth in God's word, and that's what we build our life on, that's what we build the church on, and, um, and so that's another very tangible thing to be able to hold on to, and it's easy to preach. But today's value is the value of presence, and this value is not as easy to preach. Because whenever we talk about um, understanding and, and valuing the presence of God, that's not necessarily something tangible that I can tell you exactly how to do and exactly how to feel and exactly how to understand. Um, so today, my job as a pastor is really just to kind of point you in the right direction. All right. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever done that before. Um, do you remember the little cars that you used to rev up? And then you just stick them down and let them go. And so today, my goal for us as a church is to rev us up and then put us down and then let you go and see what happens, right? So um, hopefully we'll all find ourselves in the presence of God at some point. Um, but today we want to talk about the presence of God. And there's, this, there, there's a difference in the Word of God about His presence. And so there's two terms I want to mention briefly to kind of set up the rest of the service today. So the first term is going to be the omnipresence of God. And the second term is the manifest presence of God. And so you may have heard this in your life that God is omnipresent, just like he's uh, omniscient. He's all knowing. Omnipresent means he is everywhere all at once, right? He's everywhere all at once. And so Psalm 139, seven and eight says this, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. The psalmist is explaining here the omnipresence of God, that God can be everywhere all at once. But then there's this other term called the manifest presence of God. And that's where, although God is everywhere, he is revealed in a moment in time. And so, so he is experienced in a moment in time. So right now we know God is everywhere, but we may not necessarily experience God in this moment. But there are moments where, although God is everywhere, he is experienced and revealed in a moment. So Throughout the scriptures, this happens in Exodus chapter 3. We hear the story of Moses and the burning bush, right? We know God is everywhere. God's in the desert. He's in, the, he's in Egypt, but Moses is walking through the desert, and he sees a bush that's on fire. He goes up to it, and from the bush, God speaks to him. From the flame, God speaks to him. What happened? God is revealed in that moment to Moses. Was he everywhere? Yes, but he was revealed. He was experienced. He was manifest in that moment. There's another place in the Bible, the, and there's lots of places in the Bible, I'm just to give you a couple of examples, but there's a story in the book of Daniel chapter 3 that talks about three Hebrews that were taken to Babylon, and these three Hebrews um, stood up in the presence of the king uh, who wanted them to worship at an idol, and they said, no, we will not worship at this idol. And, and so far in the story, they're not experiencing the presence of God. They just know God is everywhere. But then the Bible says that they, the evil king took them and threw them into a flaming furnace to kill them. When he does, they're not killed. But instead, there's a fourth man in the fire. And, and even the king recognizes that that's God manifest in that moment. So God's everywhere, but then he can be manifest in one moment. In the book of, uh, in the book of uh, Luke chapter 3, we see that Jesus is baptized. Again, God is everywhere. But at the baptism, the Bible says 
that the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in bodily form. What does that mean? He is made manifest in that moment. He is revealed. He is experienced. And the voice of God is heard speaking about Christ, saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And so, so we've got these moments in the word of God, these moments in scripture where though, although God is everywhere all at once, omnipresent, he can also be made manifest in a moment. And so um, we need to understand that today. Another good way to understand it, how many of you guys have cameras in your house, like a ring camera or some kind of camera, security camera in your house? Yeah, a lot of us do. Um, so I've got one at my house. As a matter of fact, my wife is, uh, she's at home today with the, with the migraine. She, she, she couldn't go today. And so I can pull up on my phone, my ring camera, and I can look into my living room to see if she's on the couch watching the service. I can check it out right now. And so, so I can know whether or not she's doing it. So, so if I pull that up on my phone right now and I begin to watch to see if she's, if she's on the couch or, or whatever, I, I wouldn't see if she's in the bedroom, but if I see her on the couch, then what's happening? Am I present at the house? Well, yes, I am because I can see what's happening in the house. I can speak through my phone into the camera and I can talk to whoever's in that room. So, so technically I am present, but I'm not manifest. When I walk in the door at that point, now I am revealed. Up until that point, I'm not revealed. I can be there without anybody knowing I'm there. We, had, uh, we went on vacation a year ago or two years ago. I can't remember. Maybe it was two years ago. And um, we asked one of Gabriel's friends to come dog sit for us at our house. And so I was very concerned that the kid, because he was a teenager, I was very concerned that he wouldn't actually show up and play with our dog and, and um, do what he was supposed to do. And so all throughout the vacation, I found myself on my phone checking my ring camera just to see if that boy was where he was supposed to be. He didn't know I was there, but I was there, right? But at the moment I walk into the house, now I'm revealed to be there and he can see me. Or at the moment I talk through the camera and scare him, um, then, then I'm revealed. And so we just need to understand that in our life, yes, God is omnipresent, but he can also be manifest present in our life. And, and that's biblical and we need to pursue that. We need to pursue that. We need to understand what that means to, to experience God in a real way. But here's a problem. We find a problem with this um, whole thing in Genesis chapter 28, verse 16. I won't go through the entire story uh, as far as the scriptures are concerned, so I'll just tell you what the story is all about. But this is a story about Jacob, and the Bible says that Jacob um, falls asleep, and, and whenever he falls asleep, he has a dream, and in his dream, he sees angels going up and down a ladder from heaven to earth. And he, in the dream, God speaks to him and God says, I will be with you wherever you go. And it's a really cool verse about God's presence in his life. But here's what happens. In verse 16, the Bible says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. See, I think that's our problem when it comes to the presence of God is a lot of times... God is there. God is where we want him to be. God is with us. God may be at the church. He may be at our home. He may be in our car. He may be there wanting to manifest himself, wanting to speak to your heart, wanting to comfort you, wanting to, to be evident in your life. But we don't always recognize the fact that he's there. We're not aware that he was there. And so we go back, we have Jacob's problem. The problem isn't the lack of the presence of God. The problem is the lack of awareness of the presence of God. 
And so I want to talk for a few minutes today about how we can be aware of the presence of God. And we're going to go through some scriptures to talk about what Jesus did. And there's some, some that I'm just going to throw out at you that we may not necessarily read together for, to save us some time. But, but I want to talk about what does it mean and, and how do I experience the presence of God in a real way? Well, the first thing we have to do to, to practice this, the first thing we have to do is we have to learn how to be sensitive or be focused on the presence of God. How can I be sensitive to the presence of God? There's a, there's a verse that I use a lot that I really like because it's very practical um, and spiritual. But Philippians 4.8, we said this, I think, last week. It says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. This is an important part of this verse. It says, fix your thoughts on what is true, whatever is honorable, uh, what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things uh, that are excellent and worthy of praise. In other words, what, what uh, Paul is telling us here is, is as he's writing this, he's saying, hey, there's a place of sensitivity that we need to have by fixing our thoughts on something. Have you ever fixated your thoughts on something and then all of a sudden now you see that thing or experience that thing over and over and over again? You're looking at me kind of funny. Have you ever bought a car and you've never seen that car anywhere in your entire life until you buy it and you think you're the only one that has it. And then you get in your car and you go down the street and you see 50 of them everywhere you go. My wife and I bought a car and, and, and it was a weird color. And I thought, man, there is nobody else has this color. And, um, but we were trying to pay cash for it, so we didn't really care about the color, right? We just didn't want to have to be in debt. And so, so we got the car. It's a weird color. I get on the street, and now every time I go park her car, I see three the same color as hers, and I can't figure out which one is hers. Whenever I'm, I'm going to tell a very embarrassing story on myself, if you don't mind. I know you don't, because you'll use this to make fun of me later. But um, before I got married, before I got married, we were, I was obviously single. Um, that's how that works, typically. Um, <laughs> And so uh, before I got married, I was single. I lived alone. And um, I remember whenever, whenever we were engaged and building up to the, to the wedding, as the wedding day got closer and closer, obviously, for those of you guys that have been married, um, you know you're thinking about the wedding. Like you're thinking about the whole process and what you're about to do and how your life is about to be transformed. And so marriage is on your brain so much. And so one day I'm laying on my couch and I've got the TV on. It's a Saturday and I've got the TV on. And, and, um, and all of a sudden the Steve Martin movie, Father of the Bride, comes on. And it's Father of the Bride and it's all about his daughter getting married to this guy. And I'm sitting there watching this movie. And, um, and if any of you guys know me, you know I don't um, cry. Like I never really cry unless, unless some, somebody's dead. That's really about the only time I cry. And so... So I'm watching this movie, and all of a sudden, like, they're walking down the aisle and doing all this stuff, and I start going, what is, what's happening to me right now? I started getting all in my feels for a minute, and I was like, what is going on? This is Father of the Bride. This is a comedy. I shouldn't be, why am I feeling this way? Why is there a tear in my eye somewhere? What is happening to me? And, and, and I started to kind of lose it a little bit because I'm like, something is wrong with me. I thought maybe I was sick or something, but, but it was because I was so aware of marriage. That was something that was on my brain as I'm watching this stupid movie and they're getting married. I start getting some feels. Fast forward a couple years and my wife gets pregnant with, with our oldest son, Gabriel, and one, one day she's pregnant and I'm thinking about having a kid and all this kind of stuff. And, and I sit down on the couch. We're in a whole different city at this point. And I sit down on the couch. I turn on the TV and guess what comes on? You're not going to believe it. It was Father of the Bride 2. And I was like, well, I'm not getting married. So this is an easy one to watch. And as I start watching, apparently that movie's all about having babies. 
And guess what happened? I started getting in my feels again. Guess what I'll never watch again? Father of the Bride. If another one comes out, Father of the Bride 3, you better know I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to boycott it. What happens? What happens is whenever we're focused on something, we tend to experience it more. Right? We tend to experience it in a different way whenever we're focused on something. Something I was, I was telling someone last Sunday down at the altar. We prayed with people and someone came down and, and they said... They said, I've got a prayer request, I've got uh, a, a child that's in college, and they're, they're you know, just really trying to pursue the will of God, and, and, and they're trying to figure out what God wants for them in, in this certain situation. And I said, I said, well, listen, here's what's always worked for me, is whenever I need something, I need some wisdom from the Holy Spirit, I need to know what God wants me to do. I said, I begin to pray, and I ask God, what I ask God specifically about that thing. I pray about that thing. I focus on that thing. And then as I get into my Bible reading time, as I'm in conversation with people, I will notice that subject begins to pop up over and over and over. There's been times in my life when I've, when I've jumped into his word and as I'm reading his word, the subject that I'm praying about, the subject that I'm concerned about, even though it's the same scripture I've read a million times, all of a sudden that subject begins to pop off the page at me. What's happening? It's what we focus on is what we're going to experience. And so, so what we need to do is learn how to focus our, our attention, focus on the presence of God in our life. And, and so um, we got to learn how to be sensitive to that and how to experience him in a, in a variety of ways. A couple of ways we can experience God, and these are not exclusive. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts out of the, out of the scriptures, but, but your ability to experience God may be different than my ability to experience God. Let me just go ahead and say, everybody's experience is different. Some of you are going to experience God, maybe you're an environmental type person, and so you experience God based on your environment. There's some of you that are very outdoorsy people, and for you to experience God, to have a moment alone with Christ, then you need to go outside, right? For you, that's, that's where you experience Him is in nature. For some of us, we experience Him in, in, in music. We experience Him in a variety of places and ways, and so I'm going to give you some biblical ones. The first one is when we pray, when we pray. Um, you know, it was very often that when Jesus would go pray, that the Spirit of God, the presence of God, would manifest in that moment. The Bible says that Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. He took some friends with him. And while he's on that mountain praying, that, that God showed up, Moses and Elijah shows up, and, and God begins to speak. What happens? The presence of God is revealed when Jesus goes to pray. For whatever reason, that's where Jesus experienced God. And for us, prayer is a great place to experience the presence of God. Of God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that whenever, the, whenever Peter, over in the book of Acts, when Peter, who was one of the apostles, whenever he got put in prison, um, that the church began to pray. When the church began to pray, that God's presence manifested in Peter's life and he was set free from the prison. So when we pray, we can experience the presence of God. Another place that that happens is when we worship. When we worship, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Right. And so for me, this is this is going to be a personal one for me, even more than prayer. I tend to experience the presence of God in worship more than I do any other time. So there's a lot of times whenever I'm studying for a message, if I want to hear from God, I'm going to turn on worship music and I'll have worship music playing as I begin to study for my messages. Whenever I'm in church sometimes and I'm down here on the front row, there's been plenty of times when we're in worship and I feel like God begins to speak to me or I experience his presence. And so I, I, I'll start taking notes. I'll write stuff down. I'll, I'll begin to pray in a different way because in his presence is a great place for me to experience the presence of God. And it may be the same for you and it may not be. I remember one time, another slightly embarrassing story. I remember one time when I was young in the ministry. I was my first job. I was a youth pastor, and 
And so I decided to go to the church early one morning and I was going to I was going to spend time with God and I was going to pray. And so I go to the church before anybody is there. And and I didn't turn on any of the lights except for one light on the stage. Um, And so I I go up on the stage. I've got the the music is blaring and I'm just I'm worshiping and I'm praying and I'm reading my Bible and I'm just having that alone time. And all of a sudden uh, the children's pastor at our church walks in the door and, and you don't know the children's pastor, but he's a very loud, boisterous person. And he walks in the door and apparently called my name a couple of times. And I didn't hear him because the music was so loud. And he gets up close to me and screams my name. And when he does, it sounded like the voice of God. And then I screamed like a little girl, right? And so I'm trying to have this moment with God. And then I embarrass myself in front of the children's pastor. Um, and so, so there's this moment of worship. The Bible says in the Old Testament um, that Solomon built the temple for God. And when Solomon builds the temple, they begin to worship God with a bunch of sacrifices. And it says that the presence of God showed up in that place, manifest in that place. The Bible says that, that smoke or a cloud filled the temple and that the priests that were supposed to be leading the worship couldn't even do their duties because the presence of God was so thick, so um, evident in that place that the, even the priests shut down what they were doing. Why? It was in a place of worship, right? So prayer, worship, another good one is in his word. Um, whenever we're in his word, we can experience the presence of God. Uh, the Bible says that all scripture is God breathed. The Bible says that the, the word of God is living and active. The Holy Spirit moves through God's word in our life. So there's been plenty of times whenever, whenever we could be reading God's word, listening to God's word, that the spirit of God begins to move on our hearts and begins to become evident in our life. Another one is whenever we're together. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am with them. I'm in their midst. I'm among them. And so it's important for us to understand that, that unity and fellowship are a big part of experiencing the presence of God. And it's not just unity and fellowship that we're all going to go play pickleball together. Um, I'm not sure that pickleball necessarily draws the presence of God or, um, you know, going to the movies necessarily draws the presence of God. What God's looking for is he's looking for unity of people that are, that are willing to be with each other. And so that's one of the reasons why we've got small groups coming up is because we want to help cultivate um, and create a place where you and I can get together and we can experience the presence of God as a group, as a, as, a, as a body. In order to have those things active, though, we need to have the right attitude. Now, I want to look at the attitude of Christ for just a second. A couple of things that I noticed in his life that I think that, I think that we need to have. And one of the things that Christ did is he always found time. He made time for the presence of God. Mark 1.35 says, before daybreak the next morning. Everybody say early. Yeah, before daybreak, before the sun came up. What was Jesus doing? He got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Jesus was a busy person. One of the, one of the problems that I, I think that I have and, and many of us um, tend to have in today's world is we are just getting busier and busier and busier. I, I was, my wife and I, like right now, we're, we're in this place and we've talked about this before, but with with where our kids are. I mean, I can't wait for them to grow up, you know, and so get those jokers out of the house because my schedule gets filled up, not with stuff I want to do, but with stuff they want to do, right? And so, so one of the things we noticed was we were looking at our calendar and we said, when is the next night that we don't have to do anything? Like, when's the next time that we don't have to do anything that we can just have a moment off, a night off? And some of you guys experience the same thing. For some of us, our day starts very, very early and our nights end very, very late. 
And so we've got this, this lifestyle that's very busy. And, and, and what we want to do is we want to say, well, I'm busy and I'm different and I'm special. But really, Jesus was the same way. Jesus was busy. It seems like every time I read about Jesus, he's constantly stuck in a crowd. He's constantly having to teach people or do miracles or, or, or preach to thousands. Jesus was very busy. So what did he do? He got up very early. If he's going to have the presence of God, he had to get up early and do it. And then in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says, One day soon afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. So there were some days he got up early to pray, and some days he stayed up late to pray. Either way, he had to create time in his schedule for the presence of God. And for us, we're all busy, and I'm not saying that as an excuse, but what we have to do is we have to create time for the presence of God. We have to find those moments I have a friend of mine named Jimmy, and he's a, uh, Jimmy Ginn, he's a pastor down in South Alabama. And I remember when Jimmy Ginn worked at a, at a print company, and, and Jimmy would every day on his lunch break, because he, he went to work early and he worked until late, and so every day on his lunch break he would go out to his car and he would take his sandwich out to his car, and he had a, a little Ford Ranger pickup truck that was purple. I don't know why I remember that, but um, maybe it's purple like LSU. So anyway, so he's sitting in his truck, he'd eat his sandwich as fast as he could, and he would turn on some worship music and he would pray. And he would spend his 30-minute lunch break in the presence of God, just, just creating a space where he could find a moment with God because his day was busy. And so that's one of the things I see in Jesus' life. The other thing I see in Jesus' life is that he was consistent. He was consistent. He wasn't spotty with the presence of God. He wasn't spotty in, in, in trying to find God, but he was consistent. In Luke twenty-two thirty-nine through 40, and there's other verses that say this too, but it says, he came out and went as was his custom. As was his custom. I should have highlighted that this morning. As was his custom to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him. What was his custom? His custom wasn't just hanging out at the Mount of Olives. His custom was, and when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter temptation. His custom was to go out to the Mount of Olives and pray. He had a custom. As a matter of fact, um, later on in that same story, that you've, you've heard the story of Judas betraying Jesus. How did Judas know where to find Jesus? He knew where to find him because he knew his custom. He knew his pattern. Jesus had a pattern of going to the Mount of Olives, probably went to the same spot to pray. And, and so Judas said, I know exactly where he's going to be. He's dealing with a lot right now. I know where he's going to be. We'll go to the Mount of Olives and we'll find him because he's going to be up there praying. There's a custom that Jesus had, a consistency that Jesus had. And, and for us, although we have busy schedules, we need to find a way to make time. And then we need to find a way to be consistent with the presence of God and seeking his presence. Another thing that Jesus did that I thought it was really cool is he was very humble. He was very humble. The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, right? Um, the Bible also says that Jesus went to God and he said, not my will, but your will be done. So there's this place where we need to be humble in the presence of God. If we're going to seek his presence, so we need to have an attitude of humility. We don't demand God to do anything. We are, we're humble before the Lord. And then the, the last thing is Jesus didn't let himself be distracted. He didn't let himself be distracted. Jesus was focused, which, which is what we talked about earlier. And so that's one of those things I think for us that we have to learn is, is that we can all be in the same, same space. We can all be in the same worship uh, place, but not all of us be experiencing the presence of God. Why? Because sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we're not focused. It's it's very difficult. I told the worship team this morning, for me personally as a pastor, being focused in worship is very difficult sometimes. 
because I'll come in and if I look up on the screen and, and, uh, and they're slow on the words, you know what I'm thinking? Why are they slow on the words? Did the computer crash? Is something wrong? Do I need to go back there? That's what I'm thinking. I'll come down to the front and I get ready for worship and I'll go, I don't have my microphone. I got to go get my microphone. Or I'll look down and, and I don't have my glasses and, and I just, I'm thinking about the service. I'm thinking about what's going on. And so I lose focus very easy. And so it's, it's important that we understand that, that we've got to stay focused on what he wants to do. As a church, what does this mean for us? How are we going to value this? As a church, we want to learn how to create space for, for all of us to pursue the presence of God together. So that's why we have worship. We don't have worship to be a concert. We have worship to create a space where we can all pursue the presence of God together. That's why at the end of every service, we have prayer down front. Why? Because we believe that God shows up where two or three are gathered together in his name. We believe he shows up in our prayer. And so we want to create a space where you and I can experience the presence of God. That's why we started doing the upper room service. So, so at the end of the month, the last Wednesday of the month, we're going to have the upper room service upstairs. The whole reason behind that is to have a cut down service where we're not worried about all the things. We can just go and experience the presence of God together. That's why we have small groups. Because we believe where people come together, that his presence is there. Listen, I'm all, for, I'm all for having fun small groups. I really am. Like, like I'm all about it. You want to have a small group to play pickleball, and a small group to play flag football, and a small group to, to paint stuff, and a, a, I don't know what girls do on that kind of stuff, but small group, small group to do whatever you want to do, it's totally fine with me. I'm for it. But I think it's important that we still find those moments where we can experience the presence of God in a group. I think that's important to me. And it should be important to you. And it should be important to our church. It should be a value that we have. Listen, there's things that Jesus did that were fun. Jesus went fishing, right? He went fishing with the, with the guys that fished. And they, and they hung out. And he cooked breakfast for them. Like, he did things that were really neat and a lot of fun. But he also had these moments where they experienced the presence of God. And so, a couple of things I want to just mention here is... is I think that although the presence of God is important, I think we also need to understand the purpose. See, I've been to churches before where, where you experience the presence of God and the presence of God was the goal. And, and so I, I remember there was a, a church I was at one time and we had a guy and, and, um, and he, he left our church because he went to another church and, and another church and another church and another church and then came back to our church and then left again for another church. And he bounced around the city quite a bit, Right. He bounced around the city quite a bit. And so, so one of the things I asked him, I said, why, you know, why are you leaving this time? Like, I was used to it. You know, I just knew every couple of months he changed churches. And, um, uh, and so, so I, I was like, why, why are you changing churches? He said, oh, I just I feel like the presence of God is at this other church, and I need, to be, I need to be where the presence of God is. And it kind of struck me because I thought, you know what this guy's doing is he's, he's chasing an experience. He's chasing some goosebumps. He's chasing something that feels good without understanding the purpose. And, and, and so we got to understand the purpose of the presence of God. The, the whole reason that we want to experience him is because we want our life to be transformed and changed. As a matter of fact, I feel like I, I wrote down a couple of things to tell you that, that the, the presence of God is, is kind of have a, has a pattern to it. it. The presence of God wants to encourage us and comfort us. It wants to prepare and empower us. And then it wants to send us out. The purpose of the presence of God is to send us into a mission. Like, that's the whole purpose. It's not just to make you feel good, although, although we do feel good, but it's to send us out to do something. 
Why do I need the, the Spirit of God on my life? Why do I need His presence in my life? I need it because there's a mission that God has for me. When Jesus was baptized, the Bible says that, that when He was baptized, the, the Holy Spirit descended upon Him, the heavens opened up, that God spoke. And what did that do? That encouraged Jesus, because it says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. It was an encouraging moment. The next thing the Bible says is that the Bible says that it sent the the presence of God, the spirit of God sent Jesus into the wilderness. What was happening in the wilderness? He was being prepared for something. Whenever he leaves the wilderness in Luke chapter four, the Bible says that he was empowered by the spirit and he went and he preached the kingdom of God. So what happened? Jesus was encouraged He was prepared and he was sent out to a mission. You look in the book of Acts. The Bible says that in Acts chapter 2, a couple of cool things happened. All the people, all the disciples got together. They begin to pray. They begin to seek the presence of God. What happens? The presence of God is manifest in that moment. The room is shaken. The the, the flames of fire, speaking in tongues. All the things that happen in Acts chapter 2. But they didn't stay right there. The next thing that happens is Peter is empowered to preach. And whenever he preaches the word of God, 3,000 people are born again. So there's always, one of the things that comes with the presence of God is not just encouragement, not just empowering, but also ascending out that there's a mission God has for you. If you're a student in the room today, there's a mission God has for you at your school. One of the things I pray with my kids whenever I pray for them is I say, I say, God, I pray that you would go with them tomorrow. Let your presence be with them tomorrow as they have a mission at their school. There's people's lives that need to be transformed at their school. If you go to work, there's a mission for you outside of this place that God wants to use you. And we'll talk about more of this next week. But you need to understand that the whole purpose of the presence of God is to send you out, not to keep you in. I want to give you some more things that the presence of God does. And then we're going to end the message uh, with, with one promise. Um, but, but let, me, let me give you just a couple of things. Whenever we've sinned, sometimes we think that the presence of God isn't, isn't for us whenever we've sinned. But the Bible says in Acts three nineteen and 20, Now repent of your sins and turn to God that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. So when, I'm, when I've sinned, it's a great time to seek the presence of God, not to run away from it. The Bible says when I repent of my sins, that the presence of God shows up Forgives me, obviously, but refreshes me. When I feel like I'm under attack, and some of you feel like you're under attack this morning, Psalm 37, uh, 7 and 9 says, 7 through 9 says this Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. The psalmist is saying here, hey, listen, just be still in the presence of God. Let him fight your battles. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. You're going to be okay. But you need to experience the presence of God. Joshua 1.9, whenever you have a mission and you're scared, Joshua 1.9 says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What about when I'm discouraged or depressed? Psalm 16.11 says this. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. There's a place, even when I'm depressed and discouraged, if I can just get into the presence of God, if I can stop hiding 
If I can stop getting to that place, sometimes what I think what we do is we, we get embarrassed about what we've done. We get embarrassed about what we're going through, and we tend to sink back instead of press in, and we got to press in. There's this promise that I want to give you, and then I've got a story I want to tell you out of the Bible, and then we're going to close. So, so worship team, you guys can start getting ready because I, I rearranged my message a little bit. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. If there's one key verse to the, to the message today, it's going to be this verse. If you look for me wholeheartedly, then you will find me. This is important to understand because here's the thing. What we do sometimes is we think the Bible says if I look for him, so we must be playing hide and seek, right? Like it must be a hide and seek kind of thing between me and God, that, that God is hiding from me and he wants me to look for him. And that's not what the scripture is saying. As a matter of fact, it's not at all what the scripture is saying. God does not want to hide from us. But what God wants is God wants us to pursue him. Another word for that instead of look could be if you pursue me. God wants us to pursue him. He wants us to pursue his presence. He doesn't want us to just be in proximity. He wants us to be in pursuit. And there's a difference between presence and proximity. Those of you that are married, you understand this concept. Whenever you're married, you don't want to just have a roommate. You want to spend time with someone. You want to be in relationship with someone. You don't want to just be in proximity to that person. You want to be with that person. There's a story in the Bible, and this is where we're going to end. It's Luke chapter 10. It's a story of two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha have Jesus coming over to their house. This is a big day for them, right? It's a big day for them. Their small group is about to get blown up by Jesus Christ. It's huge. Here's what the Bible says in, in verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. This is where we want to end the message today. Is there's a difference between proximity and presence. Mary and Martha were both in proximity to Jesus. He was in the house. Martha was close enough to talk to him. She was close enough to hear him. She was close enough to touch him. But Martha was so distracted by all the stuff that was going on. One of the things I, I, I told the, the, the team, I said, the reason I want to do that upper room service is to have this kind of, this Mary Martha kind of moment because I think sometimes, and maybe it's just for me, but sometimes I get into Martha mode and I'm thinking about everything else. I come in on a Sunday morning and I'm thinking about what's happening after church. I'm thinking about the meeting I've got to have or the, or, or, or the, the next message I've got to preach. I've got to, I'm thinking about all the things that are going on in my head and I miss a whole Sunday that I could have had the presence. 
I wake up in the morning and I know it's time to get up and I know I need to pray and I know I need to read my Bible and I, and, and I know all these things that I need to do, but then I start thinking about all the stuff that I've got to do to get ready for the day and all the, the things that I'm going to afterwards. And, 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 and all of a sudden in my head, I just, I just miss. I'm in proximity. I know God is omnipresent, but I haven't found that moment of manifest. Mary put herself in the presence of Christ. Martha put herself in proximity to Christ. So the question is, what kind of church do we want to be? What kind of Christians do we want to be? Do we want to be the people that are in proximity? We know about him. We can hear his voice. We know what he's saying. Or do we want to be the people that are in his presence? We don't just hear him. We're listening to him. We don't just see him. We're sitting at his feet. I don't know about you, but I want to be the kind of dad. I want to be the kind of husband. I want to be the kind of pastor. I I, I want to be the kind of coach that's in the presence of God, not just in proximity to him. Well, Gabriel, what exactly does that feel like? I can't tell you. I can't tell you. I can't help you on that one. That's going to be for you to discover. Won't you stand up with me today? I told you earlier, all my job today is to rev up the car and then just let it go. So I've told you the different ways that, that for me, that I've experienced the presence of God in worship, in prayer, in reading the Bible, in, in, in fellowship with other people. Like there's, there's a variety of ways that we can experience the presence of God. But it's up to you to discover what that is. And listen, it's up to you to recognize, to be sensitive to the presence of God in your life. We were talking, I was talking to some people uh, this past week about one of the services that we had. And, 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 and as in our conversation, one of the things that came up was they said, I just, I felt like I was supposed to go pray for somebody, but I wasn't sure and I didn't know. And I said, no, no, no. When you felt that, that was the presence of God. That was the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, pushing you into a mission, pushing you to go do something. Yeah, but I'm not on the prayer team and I'm not. I said, no, no, no. When God is asking you to go be a blessing to someone, right? That's his presence. That, and so here's the thing. So here's what I told him. I said, remember that feeling. Remember that feeling. Because that's going to happen to you again. And you need to recognize. The Bible says my sheep will recognize my voice. How do you recognize someone's voice? By listening to it over and over and over and over. So what I want to do is I want us to pray. And so we're going to have our prayer team come down. And if you need prayer for anything today, I want to give you that opportunity to pray. Okay, I want to give you that opportunity. Some of you may say, I've got a, I need a, I need a miracle. We've got a health issue. We've got a financial issue. We've got a family thing going on in our life and we need some help. Um, some of you, I don't know what the issue is that's going on. Maybe it's something emotional or maybe you're just saying, Gabriel, I want to be the kind of person that puts himself in the presence of the Lord. Because I need some things like there, there may be some of us today we're fighting some battles. We may have some issues that need to be broken off of our life. Um, we, we read the story about the, the man with the with the demons. And the Bible says the first thing he does is he runs to the feet of Jesus. He runs to the feet of Jesus. 
And so for some of us, we may be battling some stuff today, and we just need to experience his presence. And these guys aren't Jesus down here. They're just normal people like you. But what they are is they are what the Bible says, two or three gathered together, and I show up in the midst, right? That's what they are. They're a touch point. They're a place that the Bible says that his presence shows up. So no matter what you need today, we want to give you that chance to pray. And I'm going to pray for you first. And Pastor Jonathan's going to sing us a song. And as he sings, if you're not coming down for prayer, I want you to worship God. Why? Because worship invites the presence of God. And there may be someone coming down today. They may need the presence of God in their life. They may need a touch today. They may need a transformation today. And so your worship today helps them receive what they need from the Lord. So God, right now, I just pray for everybody in this room. I pray for those that are watching.